0: Anyone who has ever dealt with small children knows the power of learning to use your words. But what happens when the words intended to increase understanding and move us all forward instead create misunderstandings and build resentment? How do we deal with dirty words and unpopular opinions? Tune into today's episode to find out more. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and Jenny Labrie.
1: Maybe this is a bit meta, but Casey, you said something in our last episode that really stood out to me. The thing you said was words matter. Word choice matters.
2: It's true. When we use words and phrases without intention, we risk the potential of confusing and alienating or hurting people who are listening to us instead of words bringing people together and making them feel seen and a part of something bigger.
1: We all want to fall on that side of it, that side where we're drawing people in with our words instead of pushing them away. But are we? And what happens when we might express a concept perfectly, but that concept is one that, for whatever reason, has become an unpopular opinion in education? So the question is this, how do we scrub our expressions clean to better reach our audience, or do we even need to?
2: By the end of this episode, we intend to help our listeners translate dirty words and unpopular opinions into something more palatable for their audiences.
1: So we need to start with a bit of a disclaimer here. If you are listening to this podcast thinking, oh, dirty words and unpopular opinions and hearing this intention and thinking, I'm going to listen to this episode and as soon as I'm done, when I say stuff, people are going to love everything I have to say. Uh, unfortunately, if that's what you're doing, that's probably not the right podcast for you. Um, I think with, with dirty words and unpopular opinions, we need to realize that there is no message out there that is going to be universally popular, and you could be giving away free candy, and there still would be somebody who hates it. So I think we need to realize... <laughs> <laughs> this isn't something that's going to automatically fix all the things for you, but we are hoping to improve your world in some measures by talking a little bit about how words affect people. So speaking of words that affect people, Jenny, what is a buzzword or one of those commonly used education terms that either you hate or you your teachers gripe in about? Like, what's a dirty word for you?
0: Well, a dirty word, I think anybody who is in... An educational setting will probably have heard this many times over is the word rigor. So rigor is just one of those, it needs to be more rigorous, whether that's your curriculum or the lesson design, make sure your kids are engaged in a rigorous learning opportunity. And, and it took me some time to have to really think about the word rigor. And do I know what I'm saying when I use it? And the answer was no. So I really had to, to go in and really think about what does that even mean? Like sometimes, What does rigor mean? And that way, if I'm choosing to use it, I know I have a little better idea of what that might be.
1: True. Yeah, that's a biggie. Casey, uh, what's one of yours? So
2: mine is data, um, whether that is looking at student assessment data, state standardized test data, teacher evaluation data, anyone else's skin crawling right now with all the uses <laughs> of the word data. And, and there's a number of different reasons why that term may be making everybody's skin crawl. But I have a feeling my guildmates will be the first ones to admit, I actually like data. I like the word. It just comes down to, as Jenny mentioned, how is it being used? And, and that can create some connotations and feelings with people. What about you, Em? What about
1: you? Uh, Well, I'm going to cheat because I have more than one. So I would say that one of the ones that came up in my my sphere of influence over and over is when I talk to teachers, they get really irritated with clarity. (gasps) I think again clarity maybe not innately a bad thing but that's a word where it always comes up when we ask teachers that what's something you can't work with right now or you'll say it and you'll watch people like with their or roll their eyes yes <laughs> or push away from the table like that physical reaction to like a dirty word like that's what you're looking for when you uh, for like what not to do right and I'm cheating too because my older sister is an educator too she's a fifth grade teacher and my sister Katie I asked her what her dirty word was and and she said that hers was integrity. So. Is that like with fidelity? Oh, God. That's my other one. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I
0: think I use that one. I'm not. I'm going to have to rethink how I use that.
1: Uh, I think integrity and fidelity are like a set of evil twins, right? Like yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> that's a, those two tend to go hand in hand with very similar feelings. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention some of the the twenty twenty special editions of dirty words. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some real particular like twenty twenty words that people hate? Because I'm gonna start with pivot. Like, people don't even want to watch that episode <laughs> of Friends anymore. I ever. could just imagine our pivot. listeners
0: right now screaming at their, you know, at their stereo, like, pivot, yeah,
2: <laughs> pivot. Yes. pivot. I think the next one came as a result of everyone's hatred of the word pivot, but adaptive pause. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, what is that supposed to be? It just sounds like like we know you hate that word pivot and shift, so we're just going to make it sound smarter. Like oh, what? Oh man. <laughs> That's awesome. The other one that
0: I actually really liked and it used to be more positive in my mind was unprecedented but now it's just like all of this is unprecedented and do we really like what this unprecedented nature
2: of reality is sometimes and, and that one i didn't re- even realize that it was bothersome until emily you mentioned it like can we just stop using that word and i kind of just shrunk down a little bit because it's true it's it's at a certain point it no longer becomes unprecedented
1: being that we're right. still living in this, and not only that, but there was a pandemic in 1919. Like, have we learned anything? Like, th- there <laughs> is a precedent here. Are we just ignoring it? It's precedent, and just not in this time with this technology and these people, you know. So in I our lifetimes,
2: know. yeah, yeah.
1: I just got I just got salty about it. I think so.
0: I love the special editions. We <laughs> yes. we need that. We needed the 2020 special edition.
1: Oh man, it's so prevalent right now. And by the way, listeners, if you haven't turned this off yet, bless you. Thank Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. You've said like so many annoying words and not a lot of time. So thanks for sticking it out. Yeah. Hang around. Uh, so speaking of that, let's let's dig in to this from our perspective, teacher perspective, about like why are these words so annoying? Like why do people hate these words so much?
0: Well, with rigor, I think I kind of touched on this a little bit more, but I'll bring it home with just overuse. You hear it so much and it's not that it isn't an important word, but know what you're saying and why you're saying it. And can there be another word that you could use to describe the same thing or use it selectively?
2: Right. And I think, Jenny, you mentioned it too with rigor in your explanation, like it's a lack of understanding. I think rigor unfortunately means different things to different people and if mm-hmm. we don't clarify the definition that we're using as a system or as a group should there be more clarity <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> i almost said that
1: provide yeah. more clarity on what yep. the word
2: means i'm like oh crap this is gonna be so
1: hard not to use so hard
2: dirty words <laughs>
1: Seriously, Um, though, use them. We're talking about words that come up a lot in education. Use the words you're going to use. Don't get uh, too, you know, on the nose about what you're saying and what you're avoiding, I guess. But what I would say is when we're talking about the ideas of how to work with some of these dirty words this is where we ourselves probably have to say it to convince ourselves as well like Mm -hmm. words are hard like and we're not here to make anyone self-conscious about the way we speak lord knows we're all self-conscious enough about how we sound so i think it's something that we want to make sure that we're aware of when we talk about words and their power but yeah they're annoying but you don't have to avoid clarity for me you're good
2: (laughs) I think the other reason people at least may shy away from data, I mentioned it before, it's a loaded word, right? We typically, when we use the word data, we're thinking about teacher evaluations or student work assessments, standardized test data. Like there's all these sort of emotionally charged initiatives or unpopular initiatives that are often connected where data is used to justify support or rationalize a decision. And I mean, data in itself does not have any evaluative sort of connection. The evaluation comes from the analysis of data. But because we so often see them in tandem, that's, I think, where that one gets its sort of connotation.
1: Absolutely. I think it's been weaponized to yes. some degree not to not to make it sound really extreme, but I think that when things are paired with with a really unpopular initiative or with something like evaluation or another uh, hot button word accountability, you know, yes, proof of well, accountability, I-, I think that that's that's going to be where you're you're having people struggle with the word data because data and the way people talk about it has kind of become weaponized in the field of education to some degree. And
2: I love that you brought that up, Emily, because I think too, as educators now, we're charged with with collecting all this data, right? We're collecting classroom data, we're analyzing it in our groups, but do we really do anything with it? Like we have all of it, but are we really really using it to make decisions. And I'm talking from a classroom level, from a PLC level, from an administrator level too. You can have a prevalence of data, but if you don't do anything with it, what was the point of collecting it in the first place? So I love that you brought that up.
1: For sure. Yeah. And another one I'm thinking is is this idea of like the, the word itself or the way it's used in education, like ringing false to people or even outright insulting them. Like that whole fidelity, integrity idea that we mentioned there. When you have to tell people to do something with integrity, what you're basically saying is, I don't think you have enough integrity to do this on your own. I have to tell you to do it with integrity. Man, that's not going to sound good to some sets of ears, people who normally exercise integrity and do things with fidelity. That's just not the spin you want to throw out there. It says, I don't trust you.
2: Well, it's a sign of professionalism, right? Like we show up, we do good things for students, for our colleagues, for whatever. And for you to say, you you really should be acting with integrity, like, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know, like it's such a—it comes off as insulting that I don't feel like you're a professional.
1: Yeah. What about and you, not, Jenny? Oh, and I was just gonna say, any, <laughs> sorry, Jenny. Uh, That's all right. Go right ahead. I got <laughs> nothing for this segment. We can go on the next one whenever are done. This one gets my goat. I guess I've—you know—I I've God help anyone who makes my sister unhappy. But also, like, I think the—the the thing that bothers me so much about it is it's personal your integrity isn't just something you bring with you to your job it's a it's a personal dig your imper- your integrity is part of who you are so if you are being told to do it with integrity that doesn't just say we don't trust you as a teacher it almost says don't trust you as a person so yeah there's so many reasons that these that these words are bothering teachers and i think it's important to understand why people are triggered by these words and why they're setting people off as dirty words in education to really kind of think about what do we do about it. So before we get into that I want to kind of introduce a concept and being realistic I want to go over how to pronounce it. The word I'm thinking of right now is bolderize and what that concept is when you it's it's particularly associated with media and it's when like swear words or dirty words are kind of like cleaned up or changed to kind of make it more appropriate for common consumption so one of the best examples of boulderization that i can think of is the show the good place casey you watch that too right oh my god i love that show but yes what are they doing you know you know what it is
2: yep forking shirt balls
1: (laughs) i love it so much (laughs)
0: And I hadn't, the f- watched, I hadn't watched this show when we prepped for this episode, and I ended up watching that first episode. So anybody that hasn't seen it, like I had not, y- you don't have to get too committed to the show. You can watch the first one. It's like a 20-minute show, and you totally can see this in action.
1: Yep. What the fork.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like so Called, she's calling a girl a bench.
1: A bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing about bodlerization. Like, we love our metaphors, but here's why this metaphor matters. When you bodlerize something and particularly the way they do it, like on The Good Place, the message is not lost. Their expressions, their, the way they say the word makes it still sound like a swear, it seems like a swear. Meaning is not lost. Meaning is still stra- translated when a bodlerization is effectively done. I hate to throw any of you diehard people under the bus here, but an example of a badly done bodlerization is the yippee kaye mister Falcon line. You know what I'm referring to, uh, but that's what it is on TV. And people are like, what? What does that even mean? It takes I you still out. I don't even know what I don't means. know. <laughs> it means nothing because it takes you out of the moment. Mr. Falcon is not a character in that movie. It's nothing. Like, it's just nonsense. So the thing about a good boulderization is it maintains the meaning. The messaging is still clear. But let's be real. It sounds a lot better or more charming, just like forking shirt balls coming out of Kristen Bell's cute little mouth. So that's what we're going <laughs> to go with. <laughs> So let's talk about our own ability to bolderize because this yeah, is what really does that mean how for we us? can help people. Uh, how do we bolderize dirty words in education?
2: Um, so the first one would be like take clarity, for example. What do you really mean by that word clarity? Are you talking about making your lesson objectives or your professional learning objectives very much clear cut meaning this is what we're going to do by the end of this session. You're not just plugging in that word to show you know how to use it. So really thinking about what that word actually means and almost pulling out your you know mental thesaurus, your mental Rolodex to clarify what that means.
1: Absolutely. Having your little, little thesaurus, your mental thesaurus, going to even just talk through that word is going to help people a lot, I would think. Jenny, what would you say would be a way to bolderize one?
0: So the one that I would say is rigor. I'll stick with that one since I've been using that throughout. And when what happens with rigor is that maybe we have different meanings or we really don't know what it is we're trying to describe with the word rigor or somebody has a different definition of it. And so what I've tried to do with that one is just explain it a little bit more clearly by saying something like rigor isn't more difficult. Rigor just means more critical thinking is happening in that opportunity for learning to occur. You have them in a higher order level of thinking. And therefore, the the main goal, the outcome is really what matters, not the word rigor.
1: Perfect. I, I think another one that I would say is, I say this a lot like lampshaded, and it means like shine a light on it, hang a lampshade on it, call it a lamp, like, call it what it is. There's some things that you can't get around saying. I'm particularly thinking of those, like, 2020 special editions here, you know, or, like, how you tried to avoid saying clarity earlier, Casey. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you just got to say it. But maybe it's just a matter of being, like, I know we say this a lot. Or not to overuse the term clarity, but what we're really talking about is da-da-da-da-da. Or what we need you to do is this. And, yes, I know this is a term that people overuse, but it's important to use it here because blank. And give people a a reason and and recognize the dirtiness of the world word i guess and say it anyways like you're you're not always going to be able to talk around things but sometimes you're just going to say it well and i think
2: that this doesn't really apply but but for the word data because it's so prevalent in our systems i think you have to provide that context you have to provide that narrative and that story here's what we're collecting here's why we're collecting it and here's how we will use it and then act with intentionality when you are using it. Like, here's what you gave me. Here's what we did with it, and sort of providing that whole picture and that whole context. And that one's going to take time. If you're, if it's a dirty word where you are, um, it's going to take a lot of time in order and intentionality to correct or to flip those conversations.
1: I think another thing we might want to mention is, is the, we got kind of boxy about the ones that could be like construed as a personal insult or, you know, that ring really false with people. Like the, the fidelity, integrity discussion there. I think another thing we could pass on to people who have to, Say things like that is to really think about why you're saying that. Usually that's happening because an administrator has maybe seen somebody, maybe one or two people or a few people in, in, their, in their group not do something with integrity or not do something with fidelity. So now they feel like they need to say it every time. I think that the thing we could say to that is if you've got to hammer a point home with someone hammer it home with the people who need to hear that message. Think about who's getting the message. Does everybody need to hear the word integrity? Or does somebody who goofed on something last time maybe need to hear the word integrity? It's not even like you have to get really uptight about it or have a bad conversation with somebody. Just be like, hey, you know, this is something that's really important to our school person. Let's make sure that we do this with integrity, okay? And that means I need you to blank, blank, blank. And then with everybody else, just say, do the thing and don't use that word. You know, you, you can kind of bolder, bolderize your way around that by thinking of who's getting that message, who is it appropriate for, and who isn't it.
0: Yeah, you bring up a good point with that customization, too. When you do blanket statements or blanket words, then they sometimes lose their power. And when you customize to your audience, you can you can have a more genuine impact on them.
1: So... Speaking of words and, and the way words can trigger, I think we have to own something a little bit about our about our own podcast right now. When we chose the name Grounded Learners Guild, Casey, that one was your your little brainchild. So what what were you thinking? What was what concepts were you trying to get across with the use of the word grounded?
2: When the three of us were talking about names, we we had already bought into that belief or shared that belief that names matter and words matter. And initially, that word grounded popped into my head because I know I'm a yoga wannabe, Jenny, that's just part of who she is and her life. And the concept that grounding is what is part of that terminology that you use in a yoga class. It's part of providing a focal point, centering your thinking, creating an intention. Um, And that's so beautiful,
0: but it what is. did that
2: but what did what did Emily
0: first think of <laughs> When she heard the word "grounded," well, I think uh, she needs to tell that part yeah. of the
1: story. <laughs> well, I thought, well, yeah, I'm gonna out myself here, but I thought bad kids get grounded. Who's in trouble? <laughs> like, unfortunately, that's what I thought. I was like, "Grounded? Who got grounded? Are we getting grounded? What are we doing here?" So, but the more I thought about it, and and again, I'm not a total stranger to yoga. Like, I definitely got where we were going with that, and and we, I've realized now since we started using it how much we we can talk about. We're gonna ground this and this and and you know we use that term fairly often Mm -hmm. so it works for us and I think I I also had to come in terms with the fact that getting getting grounded can can be okay you you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble you want to get grounded you don't want to go go to prison. Like, it's okay to get in a little bit of trouble and express something that's maybe not the most popular concept. And that's, I think, a lot of what we have to talk about in this second section here about unpopular opinions. And
2: that's coming from someone who spent a lot of time grounded. Doesn't that, Emily?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, you guys are going to have to get my mom to guest on this show before you're going to get the real (laughs) talk on them.
0: (laughs) Well, since we're going to go there, I, I might as well bring up my childhood. The this upcoming segment, this is like my, like, I'm already getting like nervous sweats, because it is it goes against every fiber of my being to get in trouble. As a child, and adolescent, I was never grounded, not one time. As as a student, I was never in a detention, not one time. So to even think about the segment that's upcoming and having to be willing to have a courageous discussion about something that might be unpopular, like my my heart rate is going up already. So I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. But it's still important. It's a skill that I'm working on to be able to, sometimes you have to be able to express an unpopular opinion in order to, to make sure that your messaging is genuine and authentic.
1: And Jenny, I'm gonna tell you this, and, and this is for our listeners too, everybody has a belief or maybe even like a deeply held value that isn't in vogue maybe right now or ever but there n- like I said at the beginning there is nothing that that everybody has in their heart that is universally popular so sometimes it's just time to rip off the band-aid and talk about some of those things and I think that we we want to encourage our, our listeners to be thinking about your own unpopular opinions as we as we proceed here. So uh, now, Casey, I know you're a little more comfortable being a pot stirrer, as am I. So uh, what I'm so glad s- I don't have to go first. <laughs> you you're good. Casey, what's your unpopular opinion? Out with it. All right.
2: So my unpopular opinion involves Edutech or corporate micro credentialing. Like, there are, for those of you who are in the instructional technology area, so many instructional products out there are offering so and so ambassador and be this distinguished educator. And I don't understand it. Why do I need a a corporate stamp on my email signature? To tell you that I know how to use Google Sheets or Google Docs or something, you know, if Google wants to sponsor our podcast, great, love it. <laughs> but but it doesn't. To me, it never was a part of my drive, and is never. I don't understand why I need a sticker from a corporation that says I know how to use something. I think at least for me, like if I have that stamp of a of a corporate thing. Does that mean that I'm going to feel this intense pressure to recommend that product to somebody when it may not be the best tool for the job? So apart from the occasional mini perk, I didn't, I don't understand what's really in it for that teacher. I was talking this over with my husband, and we were trying to create some analogies for it. And the best analogy for it is like a stamp on a passport, right? So according to my husband's passport, he has been to London, England. He's been to Britain. But he saw the airport. He saw the shady hotel we were forced to stay at. (laughs) And that's it. He didn't do anything authentically English while he was there. I think we had a British Big Mac when we were at a restaurant. (laughs) Like... I'd rather hear about something that you have authentically done with your teachers versus who you've been metaphorically in bed with, corporate wise. I'd be curious to hear from our listeners out there what what your reasoning is for making that a part of your email signature, your practice. But I would say for anyone that chooses to kind of go down the badging route. If that's part of it, make it entertaining and or make it facilitate inquiry. I just keep giggling about the one we did for a training and we'd use the phrase talk data to me. I'm like this is, I just
1: it makes me laugh. <laughs> and you can't see my air quotes, but uh, and we got me. people to wear a dirty word on their on their back. Right. So like that's a <laughs> serious win. <laughs>
2: yeah. In a t- in an attempt to re-remarket that word, it made it funny, it made it not threatening. So that's my unpopular opinion. And does it. that make you as uncomfortable to share that? as it does for me sweats yet (laughs) like i said currently no because i don't have a sponsor for my podcast
1: (laughs) so that could be why (laughs) if we start looking for sponsorship and get shot down left and right beach we know why uh (laughs) it's my fault (laughs) it's all good but no like to give you credence to what you're saying I, i swear like with you it's always about the learning first the tech second i think that that sort of flips the formula a little bit when people lead with their Tech credentials, not what they what they can do for learners of all types, you know. So
0: So I'm gonna avoid mine again. And Emily, how about you go next? <laughs> on it.
1: I'll buy you a couple minutes, Jenny. All so right. here's my biggie is that I am I am sick to the point of disgust with the concept that focusing anything around teachers, that anything teacher centered is a bad thing. I, I get where it's coming from. I know that there is this you know, that teacher, teacher-centered teacher instruction is, is not what we coach teachers to do. That teacher-centered or teacher-focused instruction isn't what we want for our students. And it's honestly not the best for our teachers either. But that some people have kind of gotten into that groove through the past. And that's just where, where things are stuck. But what I think that that has done is create kind of a false dichotomy that pits Teachers' needs against students' needs on all things, and I come. I'm coming in like, why can't we have both? Why can't we have both? Or why is it a bad thing every single time to say we're doing something for for teachers, and that that's good? We're going to do that, and we're proud of it. It's almost like this secret thing that nobody wants to talk about when they do something nice just for staff, and it's nuts to me.
2: It's I, I will often use that analogy of like in in an airplane right? Mm -hmm. You get that my dad worked for an airline for years, and he'll probably freak out in excitement that I'm mentioning this. But he worked for an airline training flight attendants in emergency procedures. And you know, that message that comes down in the event that the oxygen mask comes down, please put your mask on before helping someone else. I think I've seen that myself when we're not taking care of the physical and emotional well being of staff. That's the biggest place where we need to have both. You have to take care of both your staff emotional needs and your student emotional needs.
1: It's so true. And it, it just kills me because education is such a people job. It's so related around people and their emotions and their emotional well-being and their ability to connect to each other. I can't think of any business where the customer person, the person who has the most face time with who we're trying to reach. The clientele. Yeah, the clientele, which in you know, in the case of education is gonna be our students, where we want those people to be burnt out or angry or feel neglected. You know, I, I think you know the difference between companies that, that do that and companies that don't just by interacting with their people. And I think schools are no different in that regard. If we're only offering differentiation, choice and respect, consideration, all that important stuff to kids and not to the adults in our system, we're doing something very wrong.
0: I wonder if, you know, somebody listening out there may be like, well, I don't think that that happens. I value teachers and I communicate that to teachers. But again, it kind of goes back to that, your actions. Do your actions match with what you say and believe or, do you know, have you extended that or are you overcommunicating all of the student needs, and that's super important. And this is why I think it gets unpopular. But like, you don't want to neglect another facet. And in this case, sometimes it's the teachers.
1: Honestly, I think what usually what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you do something that's going to help your staff, you know, discover their discover their passion. I don't think that's going to have a bad effect on students. You, you more often than not, you know. I think it's only really when you're getting into that centering of instruction where that where that should, that there's a conflict of interest. And I think the rest of the time, it, it's for the best for everyone to occasionally focus some things on your teachers too. It's not a bad mm-hmm. word. Stop saying that or stop <laughs> pretending it is. All right, Jenny. Uh, it's your turn. turn <laughs> yeah, done.
0: Well, as I said, this is definitely a skill that I am working on because in order to be genuine, you have to be able to talk about things that are in in such a way that they can be received by the the other person on the other end of the conversation in such a way that you're not alienating them or making them feel that you're judging them. But but yet if I have an opinion or I feel strongly about something, that how do I how do I practice my delivery? So here we go.
1: <laughs> you got this. So
0: yeah. So for for my unpopular opinion that I have come to see in many circles i come from a family of educators my grandma and my aunt were some of my biggest role models growing up as a kid my husband is an associate principal i've been in education for a long time so i've seen this i've seen this on many different levels and when you think about the idea of investing in people it seems like a duh like teachers are the biggest expense when you think of a budget, you think of a school budget, teachers are your biggest expense because they have benefits, because they are reoccurring year after year, you, you pay for their services. So investing in people seems like a doubt. We do that because we need our teachers. But what I sometimes see is that conversation of like, let's keep FTE flat. And FTE is that full time equivalent or like that ratio of how do you determine that? how much staff you need to do the job that is at hand. And what sometimes happens is not necessarily that we don't have the personnel that we need, but what can happen is when you are in a leadership position, you think, oh my goodness, I have a specific implementation plan that I need to roll out and you start prioritizing, you're like, okay, I'm going to need this technology, these tools are going to be needed, and programs are we going to run and promote, sometimes what happens is we forget the the personnel that back it up, or the personnel that are going to be the people that are, they're the playmakers, to use a sports metaphor, they're, they're the playmakers, and are you investing in that personnel? And if you don't have the money to hire more, more teachers or more specialists or whatever that might be, the, the one rule of thumb I would say is, are you prioritizing them on your punch sheet in the sense that are you considering what kind of effort it's going to take your personnel? Are you going to overburden them? Are these playmakers going to be so tired without the endurance that they need to keep going and make your your initiative or your program run then your program may not be as successful as you, especially if you believe so so much in it. It may not be as successful as it needs to be if you don't invest in those people. So I think that that's one of those things that it's hard because it's like you, you can't just spend more money in public education. It's not that easy. But I think prioritizing your personnel and making sure that you you're communicating their worth to you and your implementation plan. I
1: would say for as uncomfortable that as that was for you, I think you put it really well, Jenny. I think I, I think that this is this hits me because it's a it's a stretching you know I, I do feel like to try to make budgetary things work a lot of times, the people get lost and the people get stretched. So mm-hmm. it's going to stretch people people's efforts out to not invest in personnel, but to invest in other things. I know sometimes, like you mentioned, bottom lines are, are there, but it's almost like I feel like your concept and mine of the, the unpopular opinions are really closely related. This idea mm-hmm. of taking care of the people who spend the most time with our students, it, it, it comes in multiple ways. It's it's making sure that their their needs are taken care of and they're given what they need to do their job effectively and to do it in a way that doesn't murder their soul. But also <laughs> like... <laughs> Trying to make squeeze them dry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe we should say do it with integrity. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you get what I'm saying. Though, like, I think that the thinking of the teacher is trying to make sure that your your building or your your district is staffed to support initiatives that are important is crucial and not always done.
0: Yeah, and you know, if fiscal resources are not They're not bottomless like you have. There's a a limited amount of fiscal resources. So sometimes investing in your personnel may not be with dollars, but it might just be in how you approach a situation or what can you take off of their plate so they can do the job you need them to do in another sense. So it's really a give and take if it's not
1: Investing the money. So now that we've made you as uncomfortable as we possibly can, Jenny, with talking about unpopular opinions, I, again, I do want to make sure that our listenership uh, knows that your your unpopular opinions or what you are thinking is is a welcome concept with us. We uh, do want to kind of share and begin some discourse with our listeners, and are really looking forward to that. So again, now to kind of get Jenny to stop sweating, I think it's oh, good time. Thank goodness, <laughs> I'm so glad we're over that one. <laughs> All right. So for uh, we're having kind of uh, dirty words and boldlerization themed most likely to this week. So, we're going to start with who here is most likely to swear at work but not in front of the kids. <laughs> Do we even have to ask? <laughs> uh, this is a hard one, I think. Really? Yeah. I no, I it's, Casey. It's, it's Casey. It's <laughs> Casey. I think I think pre-2020 I might have had a shot at it, but yeah. you've definitely obliterated all of my efforts to say nasty words at work this year. So,
2: I think I think Jenny, you may have mentioned or we may have mentioned this in a previous episode, like I'm officially the wrong side of 35 at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I think my tolerance for filtering my mouth is not where it used to be. You but give again, no forks. <laughs> I give no forks. Um, but again, it's not in front of students. It with it's and it's with people that I have that relationship and rapport with. So it's not like I can't turn it off. But I'm in a place in my career where I feel like you know me. I know you. I, there's no need for me to keep that guard up. And that's just isn't that like a research thing where people who curse are like really smart. <laughs> If you say so, uh, yeah. I was gonna let's just go
1: with that.
0: <laughs> and you know what, Emily? I know, I know you're having some trouble with this one, but I'm gonna hands down uh, just. Just a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. I have to edit Casey's swear words out more than any of the rest of us when when I'm editing these episodes.
1: Yeah, Jenny outs herself as our uh, guild editor here on the podcast as well. But yeah, all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I might, Once upon a time, I might have been a, a contender, but you've uh, mm-hmm. you officially... Superseded her. Rocketed to the top of that <laughs> one. Nice work. So the next one is, who is most likely to actually share... With an administrator, an unpopular opinion. Maybe not those ones, but an unpopular opinion. So
2: I'm going to say it's Jenny. What? However, how hold I... <laughs> on, though. Hold on, though. <laughs> All right. I knew going <laughs> into it, it. I knew going into it. Here's why. By the time it's communicated, it doesn't come off as an unpopular opinion. So I know this ties into our next section, but when it comes from you, you're like the golden child. So if Jenny says something, it means that there's an issue and it's taken seriously where I'm the pot stirrer, I guess. So I'm people stop listening to me at a certain point. But I think if it comes from you, it has more
1: impact because you
2: don't just say it.
1: Jenny certainly says things with gravitas, but I was going to say you again on this one, because I mean, <laughs> I mean and mm-hmm. it could be you or me. Like, I know I skeptic things up, too, but, uh, you know, I that's a hard one for me because, like, I think you or I would do it, too. We just would like, yeah, we have a panic attack afterwards or something, you know, or like I, would I don't screw think- it up.
2: I would screw it up. It would come off like verbal diarrhea and not make sense. Whereas if I do say it, it's had it has to have gone through several different boulderizations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for traveling. Yep. Boulderized it. It would have had to do that before it gets there. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I I guess it
0: depends on how you look from what angle you're looking at this particular one. Because if I, if you're asking me to do it, I will do it. And maybe I'm listened to, but I I do not willingly like to do it. Right.
2: And I am more likely to shoot off the hip and like just say it. Whereas if we really want it to go somewhere and have it be heard, I am not the best word person to say it.
1: All right. So all right so this one's a little bit less contentious we'll see though <laughs> who is most likely to kick our, our all of our butts so like let's say we're all playing the game taboo together who's gonna crush everybody else who is our expert bodlerizer
2: i'm gonna emily. say emily emily <laughs> why, uh, why me yeah.
1: you are all the words
0: yeah oh. you have all of the words all of the time i i say this often to so many people yes you are my work wife but my vocabulary over the last five years has grown immensely spending the daily with you.
1: I probably should mention that I'm the one who brought Baudelaire's to our comic (laughs) discourse, so maybe I will own that. All right.
2: And and I think just whenever we actually play games, like, we'll, you know, we'll get together on House Party and, like, all the games, Emily kicks her butt.
1: (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. All right. Yep. You got me. I, will be, I win all the board games. Such
0: humility from Emily.
1: Yes, <laughs> Crush you all. You want to play Taboo with me, you're going to lose. <laughs> yes. All right, last one. All right, now this one you might see a little more humility. Which one of us... Okay, actually, I think I have to explain this one first. Casey is <laughs> really not the best at pronouncing Baudelaire's, so we just took them under the mispronunciations mispron- and rolled with it. Which one of us... Is the most likely to be the best bowler, <laughs> mispronunciation party. <laughs> like
2: the reason I'm laughing is because I'm reminded of this like ridiculous documentary with Benedict Cumberbatch, and he keeps mispronouncing the word penguin. He <laughs> pronounces it like penguin and penguin, and it's ridiculous. So I at least I at least can you know, wrap myself up in that failure that also Benedict Cumberbatch
1: has troubles pronouncing words, too. I don't know if I can always pronounce his name, so I'm going to give him a pass. (laughs) Say it,
0: boldlerize.
2: Boldlerize. My mouth doesn't work like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: diller oh diller eyes, eyes. Too yeah, many I, syllables yeah Too many i literally syllables. wrote the pronunciation down a couple of places and because you
2: knew i would screw it up and All i right. appreciate that that you know that about me and i love it you for it i got so, so who's the best bowler point game who so not me not Jenny. me. It's Oh, it's you. No. I would say Jenny, too. That was my initial instinct. because oh my gosh. you. If have... my husband hears this, he's going to laugh his ass <laughs> off.
1: I am not a bowler. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, like, you've got, like, weird secret talents sometimes. I thought you might be able to pass one on us. And not only that, but we're just talking of the best of us. Not the best right, in true. the world. <laughs> I was I trying have... to bowl well once, and I scored an eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Single digits.
2: I... Have... I... I have swollen fingers, so I can never get my hand, my fingers in the hole. So, so when I'm at a bowling the-
0: alley, I'd much rather just sit down and have a drink than actually <laughs> get up and down and up and down and try and throw a big heavy thing at some some pins.
1: All right. One like- game I think you've got us, though, Jenny. I mean, you All might right. still be able to beat Casey and her fingers and me and my inability to target <laughs> anything. <laughs> like,
2: well, it's and- only because I was an athlete, but... Yeah. I. <laughs> Yes.
1: I'm not an
0: all-encompassing athlete.
2: No. Yeah, I think your 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 attention to precision and form and posture automatically <laughs> gives you a leg up over the two what? of us. You have some actual core strength. Roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> I could lift the bowling ball the
0: best. Yes.
2: <laughs> Good. All right. So our takeaways from this episode today first are to think about what your trigger words are. What are those words right now for you our listeners that are immediately causing you frustration or feeling that like that feeling in your chest where like oh I can't stand that word. And then think about why are they triggering you? Are is it overuse? Is it because they're emotionally charged or is there a lack of understanding in your system or in your building on what those words actually mean? And think about from there, which of the strategies we shared with you today may actually be helpful in addressing that concern. Next, kind of lean into what your passion is and focus again on what you can control. Especially for our position as coaches, we're not always in control of the message. So focusing on what is within our sphere of influence can be really powerful. And then finally, consider how boulderization <laughs> works in your professional work. I you screwed got it. it up again. Boulderization. Boulderization. Consider how that works in your work life. So thinking about using the word striving instead of low or struggling students or the phrase those kids. What does that actually mean? And hopefully through those strategies and those practices, you'll be able to take some of your dirty words and unpopular opinions in your system and really work on and be intentional with what they mean. Using your powers for good. So a taste of what's to come on the Grounded Learners Guild. Our next episode will be the Make It Work Mindset. All kind of in this environment right now where budgets were set before things sort of collapsed around us. So we're going to kind of explore what it means to make it work and both the pros and cons when it comes to approaching change and innovation through that mindset. And then after that, we've got an episode coming up for you called My So-Called Coaching Life, Ways That We Lead From In Between. So in that episode, we're going to talk about as a coach or a leader in your system, ways that you can kind of lead from where you are, given the resources and experience that you have. So definitely tune in. You won't want to miss them.
0: That's a wrap on today's episode. It's our sincerest hope to advocate for adult learners, and we aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter at C. at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie. As always, we believe in the power of feedback. It helps us keep growing and allows us to bring you quality and customized content. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review. Consider sharing your own least favorite dirty words or unpopular opinions. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.